0: your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the bestseller experiment where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start finish and publish your book i'm mark stay and i'm mark devoe and this week's show is
0: sponsored by none other than you our lovely patrons thank you to everyone who's supporting this show through being a patron and we'd like to say a very special thank you this week to our new patrons leela mckella tanya scott and mike Ravel. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you so much. And if you want to find out what being a patron is all about and all the incredible things that you get by supporting this show, just pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com
1: forward slash support. Mr. Stay, how are you this week? I'm very good, sir. How are you? uh, Listeners, I'm getting about 18 emails an evening from Mr. D. You're very busy at the moment. Oh. Right? We're both very busy at the moment. Do you want to know how are things
0: in your oh, world? It's actually really exciting. Do you know what, Mark? I mm. cannot believe this. But we are coming up just you now. If you listen to this podcast on say the day it comes out, the Monday, the bestseller academy deadline for applications closes this Friday on the 14th of August. Can you be- I can't believe Eep. it? We've been working on this for uh, well, I, I was looking back, you know, we've actually been working on this for over two years. We've said over a year before, but we've been working on <laughs> over two when we first kind of started chipping away at ideas for it. Um, so what I will say is if anyone is on the fence right now, if anyone's thinking about should I jump in, it starts on the 1st of September, it's going to be the most incredible journey for people that join. The people that are on board, we've had, we're well, we're, we're actually very close to capacity already. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah you know, I'm hoping there'll be space left when, when you're to this, but pop along. If you want to check out, pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy, because right there, there is the application form. Get your application form in by the 14th of August. If you want to be part of this incredible journey, we are going to be working and nurturing and coaching, um, the most incredible group of authors through what I think will be one of the most inspiring journeys that you'll have been on as a writer because we know that writing is such an isolating thing and this group of authors we're going to work with them to help them write their very best book over the next year and that's going to happen through accountability yep we're going to mark and i are going to be there mm. um you know making sure that you you deliver if you need if you hadn't heard the podcast from two weeks ago you must must listen to it on the six tips for accountability but on top of that there's going to be this incredible coaching that mark and i are going to be doing twice a month so over the year, you get, uh, what's that, Mark? That's, that's a lot of coaching, 26 hours of, of prior, you know, personal kind of uh, group coaching with us. And that's, not even, that's, that's only scratching the surface of what we're offering. So, um, yeah, we're working. I've got tons of people emailing, asking us questions about it. And, um, and all the people that have signed up, such an amazing group. So yeah, I'm just buzzing. I absolutely buzzing. I can't
1: wait to get started. That is um, that is the exciting thing because if you you know when you register you, you you fill out a little form, you tell us a little bit about yourselves, and it's such a great mix. It's people who are you know experienced and you know and uh, well on their journey, and there are people just starting out, and there are screenwriters in there, there are novelists. It's such a great. Uh, we've all got something to learn from each other. And that's what's so exciting about it. It is actually, you know, one of the really interesting questions that
0: pops up. People think this is a course. It's, is this a course? They ask a lot. And um, actually, it's so, the course is probably the course work side of it, like the actual roadmap that we've created for writers, which is amazing. It's huge. And there's so much detail in there. But that's only about 30% of what the academy is. The, the course is part of it, but the coaching is a big part of it. And then the community. It's huge, and there's yeah. so many things that you can you'll be able to do through the community. It's it's like that place, you know. You know when you go onto Facebook groups and you're desperate to ask people for help, but you kind of ask a question and it gets lost in amongst you know fifty thousand other people's questions. The the great thing about the community that we're building is it the whole point of it is to to ask questions, to ask for help, to get support. You know that's why we show up in the community, and so it's it's like it's it, you have to you have to want to be able to ask for help and get and get support that's the whole point of it so no one no one can be bashful about like reaching out because we're all so bad oh my gosh how bad are we asking for help generally
1: i mean just in life in general yeah there's that's it's uh it's a human trait isn't it, it? Is. You try and do it yourself first of all but it's um no i mean it's it's going to be great it's really really going to be great we're all going to be lifting each other up absolutely cheerleading everyone to the finish line and and yeah. the thing i'm most
0: excited about the thing that i'm most excited about is i genuinely believe that some of the books are going to get written the academy some incredible things are going to happen because we've seen this on the podcast journey like for the last few years how people have kind of dived in listened to the podcast you know taken on a lot of things that they've learned and heard and incredible things have happened to their books and you know what i'm most excited about mark i'm most excited looking looking back in maybe a few years from now And maybe seeing one or two, or maybe more authors that become the next big authors. You know, we're talking about not just a bestseller, but one of those names that that everyone knows in the world. You know, like Mm. a Stephen King or an Agatha Christie. Or I really believe that the. I mean, because they're out there. They're all. I mean, you know, Stephen King. He was once kind of. You know, starting out, I remember the whole story about his book being. Was it Carrie
1: that was thrown? He threw it in the bin. Carrie, he, he right? threw it in the bin, uh, and Tabitha King took it out Pulled the trash out and said, so, no, "Exactly, thank you, Tabitha King." Maybe, maybe
0: we could be your <laughs> Tabitha, everyone. Maybe if you've just thrown away your manuscript, pull it out and bring it into the academy, and we can help help you. Bash it into shape. Um, we've even got a new thing that we're developing, and I love this. I love this idea. In the community, one of the things that you're going to be able to do is, if you're struggling with a plot point, you know, you know, we always hit those moments with plots where we think ah, it's just not believable, it's just not tying together. We're going to encourage people to share those bits that they're stuck with and get other people to kind of chip in with some some feedback and ideas. You know, is this believable? What do you think of this? So when it's not just going to be about, you know, what, what do you think of my book cover? What do you think of the blurb? Um, how's my fir- opening line? How's my first page? How's my first chapter, which are, which are all different areas we focus on getting feedback on. But also, you know, if you get really stuck and I must admit right now, in my screenplay mark, I'm absolutely at that point. I'm, I've just, everything's clicked together and this is one bit. And I just can't. I've been looking at it from like every angle and every degree, and I just can't find it. So I sat down with someone the other day and said, "Look, could you? There's something." And and literally within five minutes, she said, "Oh, what about this?" And I'm like, "Oh, genius!" <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what is about, right? So I'm sure you've been there
1: many times, haven't you, with uh, with your plotting? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I'm working on something at the moment with another author, which is a top secret thing. But it's a, it's an author that's been on the show best-selling, award winning author. And um we're going back and forth and stuff. And it's just so great to have have, you know, someone with a fresh bit of perspective uh just bounce ideas back at you. It's it's the greatest thing. Brilliant. Absolutely
0: fantastic. So just to remind you, if you want to get in on the Academy, 14th of August deadline, get over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash Academy. Now Mark, we have got an amazing guest today. But I want to hear before we dive in with an incredible guest with Rachel Winters. I want to hear what's happening with your movie because I hear things are moving at quite a speed right now.
1: They really are. We, um, I've had a, a week of um, sort of scheduling meetings with uh, Director John Wright and our first AD. That's the first assistant director, well, actually, uh, and line producer as well, a guy called Terry Bamber, who's worked on more movies than most people have actually seen. It's uh, <laughs> just this guy's a, a, an absolute legend. And so his job is looking at the script and you know looking at and saying, actually, we've got this scene in two locations. Shall we put it in one location? And just going through that and, and trying to save shave money off the budget. Mm. Uh, it's little things like when you change uh there's, there's a couple of scenes that are at night that don't have to be set them in the day that that apparently has saved us about 40 grand because <laughs> <laughs> right. it's at night it's you know you need lots of lighting you, need, you pay crew overtime that sort of thing you know it's yeah. uh it's it's been a it's been a, a really really fun and it just makes you think about those scenes a lot harder how you can make them work as hard as possible and it's actually re- it's a bit that i've I kind of always dread because you think, oh no, are they going to take the essential scene up? But no, everyone's on the same team. Everyone's throwing in ideas. I'm seeing art for uh, not just the creatures, but some of the other what can I say, characters in the film and like costume design, things like that. And people are chipping. This is where you're getting really experienced people like VFX people, costume designers, makeup people, chipping in with ideas that just build on what you've already done. And it's, Hmm. it's just terrific. You don't get this in you know when you're writing fiction on your own you know it's yeah you, you, you get all these other creatives coming on board and just just putting uh extra you know wonderful bits of polish on it and it's it's really exciting and the weird thing is we're recording this first week of august we start shooting in a month That's bogus It's it's crazy uh, It was when I sat down With with Terry And and he was saying Oh how long have you been Working on this I said well We finished it in March It was optioned The day we sent it out And we're shooting in September And his face (laughs) His jaw dropped Uh, And this just doesn't happen Now there's all kinds Of circumstances Why that's happened uh, Mainly to do with COVID You know We're filling We're filling a gap I think Uh, And we've just had A lot of luck An awful lot of luck But There's Hey whoa 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 whoa. Rewind
0: I'm so I'm not going to let you get away with that I'm not going to let you get away the reason this is happening is you've written an amazing script <laughs> it's just like the, the point is is that this uh, this doesn't happen to normal scripts but the point is is that this has happened because you've not obviously completely and utterly knocked this out of the park and I know you're too <laughs> humble to say that but you can make as many excuses as for <laughs> other people but the reason this is happening is because you've written a great script and I and you know what I don't think that's a coincidence you know you've spent the last we dedicated really the last four years of your life diving super deep into storytelling learning everything there is to learn like honestly when you think about it, there's no one else on this planet who's probably dived in as deep as you have I mean with really, everyone else is like people writing books you know they're spending they're spending all their time writing and writing writing but what what you've been doing is is interviewing learning and writing and combining those three and that's I so yeah, I know what you mean. I know you mean that there's always a luck of there's always a bit of luck around timing and it's kind of ironic that COVID's kind of worked it's kind of helped in some ways because obviously mm. the, the industry shut down but yeah I'm, I I just I'm just gonna take this moment to to come in and honor what you've achieved because I think it's bloody amazing and I don't say that word very often <laughs> so I'm I'm just like enjoying just running alongside you know keeping up with the stories because I think this, for me, this is living the dream. This is absolutely what everyone dreams of, like what you were just saying about, you know, writing something and then seeing it literally come to life, like visually. Yeah. That's the dream. That's the dream. Every author writing is like imagining, what would it be like if, if someone was to create my, you know, turn this creature into an actual, oh, you know, man. A, a yeah. prop, right? How awesome. So I just, I think it's so important in this moment to just stop and go, it's happening and this is it and it's awesome and it's amazing. And I hope I've completely um, (laughs) embarrassed
1: you now that you can't speak for the rest of the show. No, no 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 chance to that. No, that's true. You're you're very kind to say that. I mean, I, I, the, the, Doing the podcast, I think, has been the most beneficial thing I've done for my writing because I have immersed myself, I think, in the writing community and speaking to authors and editors and screenwriters in a way that I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. And there's there's no mm. question whatsoever, I'm a much better writer now than I was when we started this. Um, but yeah, it's just – it is – this last couple of weeks is full of pinch me. We've got a guy, the guy doing our creatures is a guy called Sean Harrison. Go, folks go to IMDb, look up Sean Harrison uh, and look at the films he's worked on, the Harry Potters and the Star Wars and stuff like that. Uh, it's, <laughs> he, and he's, he, he's, you know, s- sending us, you know, sculpts of these creatures. And it's like, Oh my God, this, this could be, there might be toys of this you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway i'm getting ahead of myself but oh, uh it's no it's incredible it's and, like i say we're shooting in about a month's I like,
0: time do you know what i like you know what i love about the podcast mark because this time around unlike robot overlords which was before we got going on the podcast yeah, this time yeah, yeah. we get to basically kind of have these little kind of check-ins and document where things are at it's gonna be fun for you and for everyone else obviously you know once the, once the movie's out it's going to be fun kind of like listening back to these moments and almost little audio diaries but tell me as well very quickly you mentioned as well before we
1: jumped on something about the, the kind of developments with the set as well oh yeah well they're, they're, it's there's a house and there's a garden there's a wood and they're, they're building it now and I've seen photos of diggers I've seen plans I've seen floor plans uh, they're, they're building a house an actual house <laughs> Is it bigger than the house you currently live in? Twice as big. That's it's got, bonkers. It's got crenellations like a castle because I put that in the scripts.
0: <laughs> and they're like, damn you, Mr. Stay. Do you know what's so funny? When you mentioned earlier about like changing from night to day, one of the things when I've been writing the screenplay I'm working on, I've been kind of thinking about... And we did this a bit with with back to reality as well. we were kind of thinking about how spectacular we could make things look on mm. film, and yet the reality probably is it's like you're saying you have to be kind of you know how can you be as spectacular as possible or as amazing as possible without making it complete an utter nightmare for the set yeah, designers
1: yeah. and the the v f x people and the like but um, i've d- I've you know. discovered the word that drives uh uh, the people doing the scheduling up the word uh, up the wall. Uh, the yeah. word is various. So if you put various in your slug line, so you've got a character maybe running around the house searching for for something. So you go interior house. Various, and they go oh, because that's about four or five setups. Which and a setup takes time because you shut everything down, you move the camera, you have to relight uh. everything. So when you see, he said, the other word is montage. Yeah, it's various <laughs> or montage because I can just go oh yeah, training montage. You know, uh, yeah. you've seen it in action movies where they yeah. learn karate or something, or learn how to strip a gun and put it back together, and then they're climbing up a rope, and then they're but, yeah. jumping through a pool, and then they're uh, you know crawling through mud. Training montage. I can just do that in a few lines that's like four days work for the crew. <laughs> you, could, you
0: could you could, if you were really evil like if you were like one of imagine like the the most successful screenwriters who like say no everything in the script I'm not I wonder if, I mean who do they exist I don't know but yeah. you could you could absolutely go to town I wonder if someone's ever as an April Fool's joke ever pretended to option the movie and it's been a script that's been like the most impossible film to ever make, and then they've sent it to their to their main man, saying, "Look, we've just we've just we've just done this. It's going to be multi million, but like you know, you need to check this out and see if they like face completely dropped. Like, you've got to be kidding!" But in some ways, I guess the challenge of it must be part of what makes their job interesting. Like how do you come up? How do you get inventive? Exactly. Yeah, that, so, it's,
1: it's it's all about problem solving. Yeah. The, the 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 reverse of that is a film like 1917, the Sam Mendes film, which oh. is you know. It's, one shot it's, it's supposed to be one long shot i mean it's it's like eight or nine or ten different shots glued together but even yeah. so it's still an astonishing achievement oh, uh completely you know, and, and and that in itself is is an incredible challenge so well, uh, that's
0: yeah i guess people have been through this before are the kind of people that write the story based in the lift or the story in the coffin right there have been these films yeah. recently which are like in one location those those must be people who've who've maybe you know know about and understand about just the challenges of, of- films and budgets but absolutely fascinating what a great insight thank you for sharing all about that mark and, um, <laughs> i mean yeah if you want to check in two weeks from now we'll find out the latest and we will get to live through this as well with all the with the filming start and that's a whole different ball game isn't it in terms of the work that you might have to do and uh, so yeah i can't wait to see and for anyone who's just joined this podcast and they're thinking what on earth is all this about i mean we should probably say this is a movie that is being made um it's called the little people Mm. And can you say anything about who's behind it yet? Not quite that. Still oh, okay. hasn't been announced. Oh, God,
1: really? but- <laughs> okay. I won't well, push I think, on that one then. I think we've... Um- um- uh, I think they're going to do an announcement when we've locked all our cast, and I know okay. who our cast is, and I can't tell anyone. You can't say a thing. Of course, you can't. I don't even know. You haven't even told it's me. Which still is... Deals are being done, and blah 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 blah. Uh, yeah, but there's so some probably... news.
0: There's, there's some really exciting news, isn't there? So um, yeah, so listen to the podcast to find out more, folks. This is awesome <laughs> stuff. Anyway, but well, let's let's dive into. This, I mean, again, we're we're just jumping here from like Hollywood movie style to incredible authors who, and and in this case, our interview this week, Rachel Winters, has
1: got a really fascinating backstory, hasn't she? Yeah, uh, Rachel Winters is also known as Rachel Winterbottom. She's a senior commissioning editor at Gollants. I, I used to work with Rachel, as you'll hear in the interview. So she's uh, she. Completed creative writing degree, spent most of her twenties working for local papers and online magazines. She used to write a weekly column about cats, even though she doesn't own one. Uh, and then she became a, an editor at Gollantz and she was always just a terrific editor, but she has written a novel under the name Rachel Winters, a novel called Would Like to Meet. Uh, when I spoke to her, it just topped the Amazon bestseller charts for romantic comedy in YA, which is terrific. Uh, she's also, uh, this is, this is new news. Um, the, the book has, that she's got a major film deal and she's not allowed to talk about it either. I, I did message her today, any news on the film deal? She said, well, it was a big Hollywood auction, but it hasn't been announced yet. Oh so we, we can mention it, but I <gasps> you know, this is going to be a major Hollywood movie. So wow. uh, again, fantastic news. Um, but yeah, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Some real good insider stuff here. We talk about acquisition meetings, what she gives us as an editor's point of view and what she learned as an editor while writing this, uh, uh, we talk about Meet Cutes, which we can talk about at the end, that idea of that, that thing you get in their romantic comedies, and things like rights and the differences between US and UK editions. There's all, all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Brilliant stuff. So let's dive in and listen to Mark
1: interviewing Rachel Winters. Rachel, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today?
2: I'm good, thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me.
1: Our absolute pleasure. And one of the reasons I wanted to get in touch was because your debut would like to meet. Uh, recently got one of those amazing little orange flags on Amazon, a number one Amazon bestseller in the category of romantic comedy for young adults, which I imagine is an incredibly competitive category. How was that day for you?
2: Oh, it was really lovely. Um, I um, get to see behind the scenes quite a lot when it comes to things like this, so I knew how hard everyone was working in order to get that lovely little flag. Um, so it was just nice. I kind of felt like a big, a big team hurrah when it happened. We were all emailing each other. It was really lovely.
1: Now, you say behind the scenes. This is, this is where you and I, Rachel, we have something in common.
2: Yes.
1: Which is we have both been published by the publisher, that we work for, <laughs> uh, or, or in my case, worked for in past tense. Uh, so when I, I when I worked at Orion, Galantz published um, uh, the film tie-in of Robot Overlords. Uh, me being a shameless opportunist, I just jumped in there with both feet. But being published by your own publisher, did that give you? Did you have to stop and think about that and what that what that might have meant? Tell tell us how this all came about.
2: It all came about. It's a very unusual process. They do get asked about uh, being published and I'm always very happy to share my experience, especially with working in publishing, because it can be really impenetrable. But I also understand that my experience is quite different because I, I worked with the editor, so I pitched the idea directly to the editor, not thinking that anything would come of it. And she, loved it so she then encouraged me to go ahead and write it um and then it went through acquisitions in the to- in the normal way It actually went through under a pseudonym And that suit name was uh, Penny Meadows, which was a street where I grew up. And I always thought when I was younger, when I was a writer, because I wrote a lot when I was younger, and I'd not written for years when this happened, that what a cute name it would be. Apparently too cute, because in the acquisitions meeting, half the people didn't know that it was one of their team members that had written the book. I was not in the meeting, by the way. Yeah. um, (gasps) And called the name Sickly. (laughs) Um, And I don't know whether this is like an act of... stubbornness but I've actually named my main character in book two Penelope Meadows
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name it's it's kind of a it's almost a Bond girl name isn't it Penny Meadows or, or something from a, a Beatles song or something yeah it's got uh, it's a very
2: it's twee isn't it so um it was sweet it's, it's a sweet suite, yeah yes. and it was decided um afterwards when it when it was like a because I had no idea that it would be acquired I know I know that it's um not always a guarantee once you put a book in front of the acquisitions meeting that it will it will get the round of approval uh, but thankfully it did and and then suddenly I was contracted to write an entire book. So I'd only written about ten thousand words by that point. And whoo, there's a lot of words in a book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There, there certainly are. So this is this is this is really um, interesting because you, you went in under a pseudonym, which is great. Because uh, for listeners who don't know, these these acquisitions meetings explain what they're like. Because you, as an editor, you will attend these. You will take books that you've discovered to acquisition meetings, and it's, I imagine it's quite a nerve wracking process isn't it?
2: It is yeah and I and I know that it's not just with the sort of more uh, inexperienced members of staff or new members of staff you see it all around the table when people present I think everyone gets a bit of those nerves because you are presenting to like a lot of the key people in the company from the managing director to the marketing director um, sales director rights director so it feels very high stakes especially because when you're presenting a title you wouldn't be doing it unless you uh, loved it so it's also very personal for you too and um, so it is it is it is a nerve-wracking experience and it's very strange to be on the other side of that knowing that um, everyone discussed it in the in the way that they will have discussed it at that at that meeting.
1: And your editor would have been uh, a friend of the podcast, uh, Sam Eads. Yes.
2: Yeah, she's so incredible, honestly. She's just brilliant. I've always admired her in-house. We were on two different teams. I'm at Gallant, so that's sci-fi and fantasy. And Sam is on the commercial fiction list at Trapeze. And so I've always, always admired her fire and energy and her ideas. And the books that she acquires are always amazing. So it's been really brilliant to be one of her authors. So although it is, it is obviously slightly strange <laughs> to be published by your own company, but it also feels like I'm very lucky to be published by Sam, Anthropies, and also it's a separate enough team because I'm such a different genre that it, it's felt like I've had quite a separation from from the book, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's it's um. It's interesting to think about how suddenly you're on the other side of the fence as well. Because you, as an editor, you know, you're handing out editorial notes. Uh, you know, you're you're going diligently going through manuscripts, uh, suggesting changes. How is it being on the other side of that for you?
2: Another question that I get asked, and it is a really good one, and I and and I think that it, it could be that I find it really odd because because I'm used to being the one that gives the notes. But actually I am always imagine it like bowling with the bumpers up. So when you first see a <laughs> I feel like you're kind of writing into the void. And I am not a good bowler, just as context. So I'm <laughs> always throwing it into the gutter. Um, and then every now and then you might get like one pin down and then that's the book and then when the editorial comments come along it's like having the bumpers up it's like you just know where you're going a little bit more like there's a bit more guidance and I feel so reassured by having those voices um, and having those comments and and not just kind of writing into the the void of the Microsoft Word document.
1: That's uh, such a lovely way of putting it yeah it's just getting you on the right road isn't it? Has it Changed your editing method at all? Have you suddenly thought, oh, you know what? I was asking writers to maybe, you know, delete all of Act Three and completely change it. And now I'm going to be less harsh. Or, or does it just make you think, no, no, I'm going to make them work even harder this time?
2: Um, does it, is it make me less harsh? Am I harsh as an editor? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so what it has it has changed me as an editor because I am someone that likes to, and I, I still probably do this, sorry, authors, but I like to get all of my thoughts down as much as possible in the first go. And mm-hmm. they can be quite lengthy, And what I found with the notes that I've been given, because it's not just Sam that's been my editor. Sam um, went on maternity leave, so I actually had um, a few other editors as well. And also I had the very brilliant Margot Lipchultz, who is the editor at Penguin Random House in the US, uh, who published me there. So I had a few voices on it. And it was interesting to see the different editorial styles and how they complemented each other. So one, it made me realize that, different people have different styles and that usually one editor probably is not going to catch everything. (laughs) It's good to have, I think, more than one, voice on it and we do that at a so we tend to share it around and I will always bounce ideas off people which I find really useful because it's a really good team but having the US voice as well it was just like a really nice complimentary rounding out of notes and they kept them quite brief so most of them were in the manuscript and I'm a big one for trying to explain the notes and round them up and have like the lengthy the editorial letter alongside it to try and make everything as clear as possible and actually the briefness of the editorial letter was helpful because I, it meant that I could just kind of go through all of the notes within the document itself. So I've reduced down those editorial letters as much as possible, and kept most of my notes then to the manuscript itself, because that as an author was what I found useful. And also the cardinal sin, which I definitely committed, is when you get through maybe half of your book and then a, the editor has put a note in that relates back to a thread that started at the beginning <laughs> and you've been working for ages on these notes. Like, why did you not put this at the beginning? Because you've only just noticed this now. But you could have like so I try and make sure that if I if something occurs to me now halfway through I'm at, when I'm editing someone else's book, I'll go back to the first iteration of that point and just make sure that it's there because even if you do are a good a get a good writer and you read every single one of your notes before you embark on your changes, you're gonna miss some and there's a lot of emotion attached to some of these notes as well, Mark, and I'm sure that you've had it as well. Or maybe you're not as emotional as I am, but you you have to kind of read them and then absorb them and realize that it doesn't mean that you're a terrible writer. It just means that you you need like you need that guidance, um, yeah. And then go back. So I think you can miss things. So it's just that awful feeling of. But I thought I'd done this. I thought I'd tied the side up, and now you've given me a new note.
1: <laughs> Take us back to the beginning. With uh, would like to meet. You say you pitched the idea. Where did the idea come from, and, and what made you think that that uh, that there was a, a a story in this, a, a novel in this?
2: so (laughs) the idea came from something really silly which was a dating technique that I came up with called meet-cuting and I shared it with one of my single friends who's my age and she was all over it she said that she was definitely going to try it she ended up having too much of a life to be able to do it but my suggestion was so how do you meet people you meet people through friends online dating work bad idea (laughs) maybe at the pub like on a night out and this was obviously pre-lockdown but we don't really do the pub anymore and online dating is exhausting and usually when you get to a certain age you probably met all your friends friends and maybe even dated them and so I was like well, how can you reconstruct that it's not being a pub not being drunk but like what is your equivalent and that's like the kind of movie-ness of it which is meeting someone in the coffee shop so do something that you really like doing do it on a regular basis every week in and out so a coffee shop read a book Make sure that you've not got your headphones in. Like, loads of, like, I've came up with all these little rules, and these rules kind of made their way into me, where it would like to meet. And then it was just trying to put a um, spin on it that was more commercial. So then it became, well, instead of just recreating the idea of a meet-cute, it's actually the meet-cutes from all of my favorite rom-coms. <laughs> um, and that, obviously, is very sort of, it's like a fil- quite filmic, isn't it, I guess? It's quite... And, and I and I'm someone that's um, I've come up with ideas for authors before, and I always think about like the 360 of right. So I, I think about the idea in terms of whether it would work for screen as well as a book, and I also think of audio. So I, I kind of applied that kind of brain to my own book and just try to think about it in terms of visual and and pitch and everything like that. So it was it was everything that I'd done as an editor that kind of helped shape quite a vague idea of like how to meet someone in real life, which no one has ever tried ever um, <laughs> to how would this work for book? What would be the hook? What would be the interest? What would be the way in?
1: That's really interesting. You were, you weren't just thinking of it as a novel, but you essentially f- thinking of the audio potential film or TV rights. You're thinking of it as a, as a kind of multimedia experience,
2: Yes, because that's how I'd done it as an editor, putting together an idea to take to an author to write. So it wouldn't have been something that I would have done before that point. I might have even thought, oh, that's a bit, you know, it's not very organic. It's it's a bit um, almost like callous, a bit cold. But it didn't feel that way when I was putting it together because that's what interests me. That's what excites me, that idea of trying to come up with something that would really work for a screen.
1: Wow, that's really cool. Now, it's clearly worked because um, what you were saying earlier you mentioned uh, uh, your editor in the states so it's uh, published by trapeze in the uk yeah. and putnam putnam in the us but also i saw a tweet from the orion rights team the other day that said would like to meet has sold in 14 territories so far which is just incredible was that something you considered as well international rights did you think okay this is an idea that can travel
2: um, I think that I know that most rom coms that we see are from the US, aren't they? But they are universal and they are popular for a reason. So I, I guess I did think that in terms of the commercial side of it. And also just to say, like the Orion rights team, I obviously am a bit biased because I work with them every day, but they are amazing. They are amazing, they yeah, yeah, they really great are. Job and a lot of that is testament to their ability to pitch something and also know which territories rom coms do well in. I find it fascinating as an editor what what works in what territories. And countries will share borders, but not genres. And it's so it's so interesting to know what is gonna do well in what territory and what readers are interested in. And so for example, Germany, that was a really exciting auction because in, in Germany rom coms are really popular. So it was just one of those fascinating things to watch and also very thrilling for everybody. <laughs> and I think Italy as well. There was an auction there. And then in other territories they've just kind of followed afterwards and, and it's accumulated. it wasn't overnight that it, it was all fourteen at once. It was just like yeah. it was like an accumulation, I think. But yeah, it's been it's really it's really interesting. Not all genres are going to do well in every territory.
1: What was the what was the first territory other than the UK to sell? Was it the US?
2: Yes, it was. Yeah, um, Margo preempted it. Actually, she leapt on it. She was looking for rom coms, and mine happened to go across her desk early from some. I think she just heard it through the publishing grapevine. <laughs>
1: That's um. I, I, I mean, we talk about being in the right place at the right time, but luck. It, luck. I know we don't want to believe this, but it is such a huge factor in getting published, isn't
2: it? It is, and like, and Sam's very savvy as an editor. She was looking. The reason why I pitched it to her is because she was looking for uplifting rom-com style ideas and she'd sort of seen this trend growing in fiction where people were sort of turning more towards this uplifting fiction and then then Netflix went wild around. it was just all incredible timing so she she was savvy enough to spot that upward rise considering the romcom hadn't really been huge for a while in terms of films and then Netflix started to do its own rom-coms like Saturday up and 12 boys I've Loved before Which obviously based the book, and so it just it just kind of caught fire, I guess, but in a good way. (laughs) And and it just was it was all like um, just all good, great timing in across different areas, not just in books but in films as well.
1: Brilliant. One thing we get asked about an awful lot by listeners is the difference, particularly between the US and the UK and the changes that might have to be made when taking a UK edition and setting it uh, and publishing in in the US was that a uh, was that a, a a bit were there many big changes what were the, what were the big changes that you had to make
2: so there were some funny notes from Margot, and so there were a few, and I only made I made a few tweaks. So between the US and the UK, there are definitely words words that are different. There's there's a one joke in particular that's different because the punchline was that it was Milton Keynes, and right. Margot had no idea what <laughs> what Milton Keynes was. Uh, so she was just like, "Can you can you find a way?" to make this significant and um, it was because one of the love interests that EB was trying to snag was a guy called Graham who had a favorite uh, service station <laughs> and her friends were still trying to say well you know maybe he's just quirky and her response was it's Milton Keynes and so <laughs> my my way of changing that joke was saying it's Milton Keynes what was it home of the, the cow you know the cows is it the cow statues I have right, to, go right. to Milton Keynes just to see what was... I was like, I need it to show the reader who will never have heard of Milton Keynes why this might be a place that you wouldn't be thrilled about someone who is their favourite. Sorry, Melton Keynes people, as if if that's an actual problem. It's specifically the service station, which I don't even know if exists, to be honest. I think it might be called something else. I was like, I feel in safe territory to just use this as a very silly throwaway joke, but my goodness, the back and forth. And another one was... Evie has, uh, so she is an assistant at a film and TV agency in London, and she attends these networking events with other assistants. And at these events, she has a three drink rule, which is a common rule. I believe, uh, in UK drinking circles, which is that you never have more than three drinks. Um right. And Margot's note was, if I had more than two drinks, I would be on the floor. What is she going <laughs> to say here? And then Sam, had her comment was, lol, Margot, you obviously have not seen the, the, UK, the UK publishing drinking scene. This is perfectly normal stat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, lightweights.
2: Okay. <laughs> but then it was like, oh, I feel like I should reconsider this. But this is my own rule for these that like, I feel so proud after I've come back from a publishing networking event. <laughs> We've only, only in brackets. And when I say three drinks, these could be anything. These could be a small glass yeah. of wine, three cocktails.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's What's coming next for you, Rachel?
2: So next is, it was a two-book contract. So it's another rom-com, totally standalone again. And this one, it's, although I've not announced this anywhere, but um, this one is uh, set in New York um, with Penelope Meadows as the protagonist. Um, yes. <laughs> and it's about a girl who thinks that she has everything planned out and then her fiancé, or would-be fiancé, uh, dumps her in the middle of a huge flash mob style proposal in times square
1: <gasps> right
2: <laughs> um and it's all about old and uh, new new york and like speakeasies and cinemas and everything like that that makes new york new york and kind of about kind of coming back to life again which is is the the journey of the protagonist yeah so i'm that's that's where i am now i'm just i'm sort of about twenty thousand words into that one but
1: again, so many words in a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I shall let you get back to those words. Now, listeners, um, Rachel has very kindly offered to answer some listener questions for our BXP team. So we're going to do that as a deep dive episode. By the time this episode you're listening to is out, Rachel's deep dive will have been out for quite some time, I think. So uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can listen to that if you're a uh, Patreon supporter of us. And we'll be talking about... Things like social media, word counts, genres. Uh, of course, there'll be a bit of a focus on out science fiction, fantasy as well. So, I hope you can join us for that. In the meantime, Rachel, fantastic that this book has done so well. I'm so happy for you. It, you deserve all this success. It's just been amazing. And uh, here's to here's to a huge success with Penny Meadows, whatever she does.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Mark.
1: Do you know that is
0: just one of the most incredible. Interviews. I was thinking as I was listening to you, there's not many people that will be able to relate to having been an editor in a major publisher and then become an author. But the things that I learned about the editorial process, the insight that Rachel has as an editor, then Mm. writing a book is such massively gold value to authors understanding. That whole process of like, what's it like working with an editor and and what happens, you know, even just when you get in that, you know, your book's in that room and it's being pitched. I love, I love, love, love kind of hearing about how that works. She's she's got such an incredible,
1: unique perspective on it. Acquisition meetings are um, probably the most prepared for meeting that any publisher has because they have to come armed not just with passion. It used to be when I started used to get editors and they wouldn't talk about the money. You know, they wouldn't talk about the advance or the sales figures. They were just, I'm passionate about this book and it must be published. That's changed now. You've got you've got to back it up with a bit of bottom line with some comparisons and facts and figures. So the editors really do their due diligence on this and they come with the passion as well. And they, you know, they pour their hearts out and they've got to pitch it to the rest of the room. It's particularly difficult for uh, science fiction fantasy editors because there will be people in the room who just don't read science fiction and fantasy. And they're like, Oh, okay. Another one about, you know, someone finds a sword and slays a dragon, blah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, so there will be people who can be dismissive about it. So they've, they've got to, you know, really, really, it's, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're pleading on behalf of your author that you've, you know, you know, you've, you've, so if you're an author and, an agent sent your book out to a publisher and the publisher says, yeah, we really like it, but I've got to get it past acquisitions. This is, this is another hurdle to get over. And it's the one where you're possibly the most helpless. You've got to rely on the editor to really, really sell it for you to the rest of the team. And it's like, you know, they're like a jury. They'll go, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll go with this or mm, yeah, maybe not. Or are you sure? That kind of thing. So it is, it's, it's not a done thing by any, by any, uh, any length. It's super interesting actually as well,
0: because, the, the the huge takeaway for me is that as an author, you have to get an editor passionate about your book. And uh, recently, we did this webinar, Mark, where we talked about you know living your best-selling dreams. And and the, oh, do you remember that beginning of that webinar? I but I said that in order to get other people to believe in in you as a writer and to believe in your book and your story, you have to first believe in yourself. And I was thinking about how, you know, obviously Rachel being one of the same, like she, she, she was, she was the editor. She then became the author, but she, you could tell that she had a belief that she could do this. And that's such a massive takeaway for everyone listening is that, you know, for somebody else to go into a room and represent your book with huge passion, you have to, you have to, you know, transfer your passion to that person and if you don't the chances of someone really really biting your, you know and going for it and and because passion is infectious in a good way i mean we're talking in covid times here but you know let's talk about <laughs> the, the good things about infe- good infections. You know, good infections right you know spreading the love um it's like you, the passion the passion comes from within and and then you know you write the book passionately and then all of that energy everything you've written is transferred to that person that then goes and represents you in that room and weirdly enough um i mean i have to say this because we're going to be doing a lot of work in the academy about that we're going to be talking about why it's so important how do you get that self-belief if you don't believe in your writing if you keep thinking oh you know i need i need you know i need another year or two before i become a good writer no 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 one's ever going to give you permission to believe in yourself you've got to start with that and and it's a mindset shift and so i picked up with with rachel that she really you know she understands it from the editor's perspective because of all the books she's pitched before probably in those acquisition meetings and what yeah. what's going on to happen with them so it's such a brilliant insight so unique i love
1: and it and it's why you should as a writer never take rejection to personally, because it's not that you're a bad writer, it's just that they haven't fallen 100% head over heels in love with you because they've got to live with it, not just for publication, but for beyond publication as well. They've got to sit in that room and, and, you know, plea for you with conviction. And if they don't believe in you 100%, and I've seen, I have seen it happen where people have kind of either inherited, Books from another uh editor or whatever or they've taken it on just because they think it might do well and it you, you can see it's kind of yeah this isn't going to work yeah, you don't believe exactly. in it you know yeah so absolutely it's, um, it's, that, it's some... almost
0: in the stars i think as well it's it's super important when when you're you know when you're writing that you have to write with this confidence you have to write with this belief that it will get good and it's just the mindset shift this is the crazy thing it's like you can either choose to write not feeling very confident or you can almost become an actor in your old writing world and become play that role of right today i'm going to sit down and pretend i'm stephen king and i'm going to write like stephen king would you can do that you can like we all we all make 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 believe when we're kids and we all used to do school plays and amateur dramatics and things you know become
1: that character well you um... write with confidence I mean, putting together the Academy, we've listened to lots of clips and, of course, the Ben Aronovich episode, which is a fantastic episode. He says, he says, you know, he starts every day by going, I'm going to write the best thing ever. You know, you have to go in and think, right, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. It's not going to be, you know, perfect first time round, but it's going to be the best thing I can possibly do. Absolutely. uh,
0: And And that's the irony. That is all you can do, the best you can possibly do. But most people sit down most people sit down every day mark and do the worst they can possibly do (laughs) that's the reality of most most authors lives they sit down they're like it's never going to happen i'm not good enough no one like this is rubbish story now all the things that challenge us it's the most mentally challenging occupation probably um in the world because you're kind of lost inside your own thoughts and mind and so how do you even have that but you then look at Ben's success you know yeah. huge success millions of books sold now he's the he's the guy that when i you know when i used to when airports used to be open i used to trot through airports see his book there in w h yeah. smith or whatever like and 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 there's no coincidence it's no coincidence that he's there because he does that he sits sits down every day and says i'm going to write the best book ever i'm going to write the best i can today which is all we can do but when yeah. you say that to yourself then you're increasing your chances of becoming a best-selling author by a million percent. Absolutely. absolutely
1: it's bonkers so S- so obvious to us now isn't it yeah speaking of big numbers i love this idea uh that rachel said she thinks about the 360 degrees of rights the 360 of rights this idea that it won't just be a book can it work as audio can it work as a film can it work as a tv show and she applied that to her own idea and of course this is clearly paid off because if she's had a an auction between hollywood studios then that's uh that's a You know, obviously, we can't all do that depending on what you're writing. But if you're writing commercial fiction, particularly romantic comedy, then why not think, okay, this could be a movie with, you know, hot actors playing these great parts in a Hollywood movie? Why the hell not? Absolutely. Well, it's it's
0: where the world's shifting to. Actually, you know, we've seen it in music. There's this whole idea of three sixty degree contracts, where a company like Live Nation, for example, has everything. You know, they're doing the the live shows, they're doing the merchandise. They've, you know, it's even in in, in football now and soccer around the world. You know, the when 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 a player like Ronaldo or Messi is signed to a major football club, you know, it's not just about getting that player to, to stick the ball in the back of the net for the team it's now about owning the rights to their uh, their shirt and the shirt sales and all the things and even some of their merchandising lines and things so you know it's a whole brave new world and we need you know if you want to increase your chances of commercial success with your writing you need to understand and learn about these things and they're super important so i mean give us a very quick rundown mark of of the different kinds of rights that you have. I mean, obviously, you've got your domestic rights where you sell your book. You've got your international rights. International rights, which, you know, uh,
1: Rachel's book has sold in at least 14 territories, probably more since. Uh, You've got, yeah, movie rights. Uh, You could have gaming rights, games, gaming rights. You've got um, large print, actually, which can be quite lucrative. Mm. Uh, so large print rights. Uh, you've got audio rights, of audio course. Books, yeah, you've got uh, dramatic rights, which uh, you know, not just theatre, but can also be radio dramatisation, which is separate to audiobooks those can be two different things and again that can be quite if you get sort of a bbc radio 4 uh, dramatization that can that can reap dividends uh you've got extract rights so people might want to run an extract in a magazine that happens you know they have to pay for that so yeah it's uh, there's so many I tell you what mark we need to do We
0: need to do a whole section in the academy about rights because I think this is. I mean, when you just said extract rights and large print rights, I'd never even thought of that. Didn't even realize those existed. I guess there must also be. You know, I often look now on Netflix. I mean, just actually, what was it? Just today, yesterday, I saw this new Netflix show, which is the big thing that's coming up. I don't know if everyone sees it, but it's coming up as the big, you know, the big kind of head header of my netflix page um and it's a u.s version of the show in the uk about dating but it's specifically i'm trying to remember the name of it now but it's the show that has and everyone's probably screaming it oh it's this one (laughs) it's the show where it's people who dating who've had kind of challenges do you remember that show have you seen that
1: show i absolutely brilliant I th- I kind of think I know what you mean. I don't watch those shows, so I'm not entirely sure. But I th- you know, but it, people have it's said your, the closest. It's not, it's
0: not your thing, Mark. I can't. I can't understand no. why. P- people <laughs> have said
1: the, the closest thing to being a ghost is listening to a podcast and knowing the answer to the question. That the two- <laughs> so it's like you're shouting. It's this. It's this. Why can- <laughs> okay, I'm on a mission now. I'm gonna
0: before the end of this show, I'm gonna find. Both of those shows. So let's keep talking. I'm going to mention it later on, but um, but yeah, the whole thing about rights super important because you know that ultimately is the the sustained sustenance, isn't it, for an author? I mean, that's where you get your royalties, and and it's not just about writing that one book and getting your your ebook royalties. There's so much more. There's so much more out there with a successful book. So yeah, fascinating.
1: Absolutely, mom. Absolute mom.
0: What about the bowling analogy? I thought that was pretty amazing as well. It's the first time I've heard that, and that was a really yes, good analogy. Yes, just saying
1: getting editorial notes is like bowling with the bumpers up uh, and it is, it is it is it's someone's on your side someone's chivying you along they you know the editors aren't there to reject you cuz they've accepted you they're there to make this good as this book as good as it possibly can be. And I, funny enough, just today I, I finished the copy edits on my new book. And, you know, that's gone through my editor and through my copy editor, both of whom have just been absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, it does buoy you up. It does give you the confidence that you're kind of on a, a home straight of sorts. And their advice, you know, is uh, you don't always have to agree with it. You know there was really? um there's a section in my my new book where a character is going on about this extended family. Well, she's the cousin of this person who's an aunt of this but and she's the sister of so and so and the copy editors going, "I can't make any sense of this." I was kind of like, that's the point." you know because if, if you certainly on my family I've got you know Irish Catholic on one side and then baby boomers on the other I've got eight or nine aunts and uncles on either, both on either side of the family you know so I've got this very very convoluted family tree uh, and I uh, you know I've had to draw diagrams for people but that thing of, you know so that you can listen they can advise and then you can it, it, it enables you to go forward and and give you confidence to do your own thing yeah fantastic stuff fantastic and um i
0: just i just think that it's, it's super useful for everyone you know even if you're a even if you're an independent author of which I think many, almost the majority of people listening to this this show are, to understand that process of what goes on in the room and what happens with the, with an editor when they're pitching is super useful because it's obviously one of the steps that helps a novel become as good as it can possibly be. And, um, you know, for people who aren't necessarily going down that route of trying to get a major publisher, though, I'm sure everyone would, you know, no doubt most people would be happy to take an opportunity if that came along. But for people that don't you know, working with an editor is still a very important part of that process. So everything that that Rachel talked about today is so is so relevant to to anyone who just wants to get to that place where Rachel now has. And I can't wait to find out, oh, I just want to know what's going on with the film now. That just seems yeah. utterly bonkers that that's happened so quickly as well. It just seems like a very again a very fast turnaround whereas we're so used to aren't we we've talked about this for quite a few years about how long it takes a book you know to be written and get published but i think i think the traditional publishing world is kind of catching up with the speed of how a lot of people you know like shannon mayer and these independent authors we've interviewed
1: can literally write books and put them out within a month
0: or two well i
1: think think there'll always be that the thing is that the, a lot of the slowness is led by the retailers because they want to know what's coming six, seven, eight, nine months ahead of uh, yeah. of those promotions. So there there is always that. I mean, I keep talking about my book. I've not announced what it is or who the publisher is yet because we're holding off because yeah. we want to. You know, we want to go. We want to go out with the artwork, and I know the artwork is only. Uh, I know we're talking to the artist now about when the artist can fit it into their schedule to do the art. So we, we're still weeks away. <laughs> from announcing it's out in february oh my gosh
0: (laughs) i think though i think that it's gonna catch up in a bit of i always look back to when i do you remember in the obviously when we were kids in in england i remember back in when we were like you know eight or nine you'd see these movies coming out in america do you remember that and it would be like three or six months before they came over to the cinema like people in america don't realize this us brits we used to have to wait for like Three or six months, we'd see, you know, there'd be the movie playing. We'd say, oh, yeah, we're going to have to wait for that now. And then the same happened, didn't it, with with video, do you remember that? And then DVDs, everything would come out later. And I think what's going to happen in a similar kind of way is that we're going to see, because of what's happening in the indie world and the speed at which people can put things out, I think it will actually eventually, we'll see a reduction in the amount of time in the traditional world, because I know that there's lots of things, but everyone's going to be pressured to kind of make things happen quicker. And I, I bet you in five years from that, it won't look anything like it does now.
1: Well, that's, that's where digital first is changing things. So you, you know, you have publishers like, uh, Bookature and Hera who do a lot of digital first and can, because there's only four or five major digital re- retailers and really only one that that can make a huge difference so they can have a much much quicker turnaround i mean it has been mentioned that my book might come out digital first this year and then a paperback next year oh, but that's, um so again that's still kind of a bit up in the air but uh but you'll hear it here first folks Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah you're right Not things are changing.
0: As if there's no, not enough great stuff happening. Listen, I found, I found the, the the names of these shows. The oh, Channel a... Four show was is called The Undateables.
1: Oh yes, it's, it's yeah, beautiful.
0: Yeah. It's like a really, uh, it's it lovely, gives isn't Such it? a great yeah. insight into the challenges that some people have. And the 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 version I think I'm pretty certain this is like literally the US version of it that they've just done. It's called Love on the Spectrum, and that's the right. thing that thing popped up yesterday. And so what I was just going back to the right side of things. I I was. I was thinking about, you know, things like the office for example, if your if your book became, you know, a series in I don't know in the in the UK for example, you know there's uh, there's rights potentially where it can be converted for a US audience or even a Chinese audience or, you know, a, a, a Spanish speaking audience. And that must that must be another potential opportunity rights wise as well. I don't even know if there's a name for that repurposing rights or something. Well, it's Jake. it's
1: just you're just sending international rights and they're they're remaking it and you know it's so like you're they, the
0: show creator, aren't you? I guess yeah, the, the yeah, con, concept yeah. creator rather. So yeah. anything a book can turn into any one of those things, which for me is super exciting. It's not just a one and done thing. It's it, it's it's a multi headed opportunity of. of um, you know, and and again, if you write things with that in mind, like yeah, I wonder if this could be adapted for a different audience. You know, write it really in a really British way or a really US way, and don't try and pander to every single person's needs, because it can always then be converted. And if the story's great, then they're just going to change the characters and potentially the accent as well. Mm. And I'm seeing that more and more, because it's less risk, isn't it, for people to take something that's been successful already and repurpose it for a different country than it is to, oh, to, to try something completely new, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, TV and film, they, they're not big fans of original ideas, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? They like something think,
1: that's going to work, you know? I guess they
0: were all they were all original at the beginning. But like you say, I was, remember you talking about, you know, the, the whole playing it safe with, you know, uh, remaking movies, for example, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. which we see with Ghostbusters, and we're seeing with lots of lots of different. In fact, Ghostbusters is happening multiple times now, isn't it? So yeah, franchising <laughs> it, but fascinating <laughs> stuff. But yeah, we'll we'll I think we'll dive into that in the Academy at some point and talk a bit about the rights side of things because that's a very important part that mm. I think a lot of writers don't really understand and the problem with that is not understanding it it means that you can't think in that way when you write your book and that's the important bit you have to understand this stuff up front because it might make a difference to your book becoming the success that it has done just like rachel's done with her 360 the degree yeah. of right she she was um in fact another quick story a guy that i know who's a, a multi-millionaire entrepreneur he said the day he started his company the day he started his company, it was a search engine company way back, you know, back in the pre, pre-Google days when I was involved in the internet. But he said that the day he started the company, he put together his exit paperwork. He built like all his folders ready to be filled with all the accounts and everything. So the minute someone walked into his office and said, I want to buy your company, he said, all right, here are the books. <laughs> and he, and he, on the day that he started it, and what happened? Two years later, sold his company for 15 million pounds coincidence i don't think (laughs) so right so if you want to succeed with your book start with the end in mind start at the beginning of what what do you want it to become do you want it to become an x-fix series do you want it to become a major hollywood movie learn about those things before you start writing it and then write it with that in mind and you know don't leave it to chance don't leave it to chance everyone else leaves it to chance but we work in the one percent the one percent of people we don't we don't play in the with the 99 percent where everyone's just doing what they think they have to do we play in the one percent which is doing the opposite and doing it differently and you know Without wanting to bang on about the academy again, that is what <laughs> the academy is all about. I just have to say it. That's why I'm so excited about it. This is life changing for people when they come in. So, anyway, I promise I'll very, stop about the academy. Very, very um,
1: excited, folks.
0: I am. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I'll calm down in the next few months once you get into it. Don't you worry. You won't. Um, so, Mark, we've also got some, some great wins this week and stories on socials
1: yeah we asked our bxp team for their good news stories so we got angela nurse i'm sending out submissions to agents this week with fingers and toes crossed that it'll be good news finished first round of rewrite for another book and feeling positive good luck with that angela got everything crossed uh Tanya Scott got in touch. Tanya, new patron. Uh, welcome to the game, Tanya. Uh, she said, I had a book bub this week and got up to 250 in the Amazon store. Very pleased. Congrats Fantastic. on that. Sage Gordon-Davis, she said, my friends club together to help me get a new domain and web hosting package. I'm very excited to rebrand and relaunch. So there's Sage there thinking not just about her writing, but the brand and the image that she puts out into the world. Sage is ahead of the game there, way ahead of the game. So good, good luck um, with that, Sage. Ian Sainsbury's also
0: said, a very long-standing friend of this podcast, he said, first book bob came in for September. Audible organized a virtual blog tour for Clockwork Sherlock this week, and the reviews have been good so far. had foreign rights acquired
1: from Macedonia. Macedonia. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> now, then, all now Ian said, because Clockwork Sherlock is his, his uh, Audible original. This is an audio uh, drama that he's written for Audible. And uh, it it sounds terrific. But when he sat down and wrote that, did he think he'd be selling the foreign rights to Macedonia?
0: (laughs) Do you know what? Anything's possible in Ian's world now. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Abigail Mann said she's seen the cover of her second book and loves it in capitals. That's probably one of the most exciting moments, I think. I remember when we got our cover for Back to Reality and and all the different versions. It's
1: it's that bringing to life moment like we talked about with your movie, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And this you'll like this one. Uh, Josh Atkinson says, getting my Patreon on the auto-run so I can focus on the bestseller academy at the end of the month. Josh is joining the gang. He said, in less than a week, I've written, edited, and scheduled eight 500-word short stories on Patreon and is about to finish his ninth. Uh, so Josh is a very 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 busy guy so congrats on that josh and looking forward to seeing you at the academy and uh last for robin Robin Sarti, who who has done the the marvelous A is for Apple anthology, uh, which is fairy tales sort of re, rejigged fairy tales of short stories, just wonderful. Uh, she says I, I was invited to write a short story for an anthology. It's being organised to help save the home of a seventy nine year old lady who is being bullied out of it. So, folks, yeah, this is a very sad story. Um, so, uh, Robin, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes if people want to look at that and maybe help this this seventy nine year old lady out and get, help her keep oh, her home. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, good luck with that, Robin. Got everything,
0: got everything crossed for that. And our friend Tom Foote has actually created a brand new verb mark. I see. Do you know about that? Yeah. <laughs> Tom said in response to Josh Atkinson joining the bestseller academy, Tom has said, I'm jealous that you will be academying. <laughs> <laughs> academy. I love that. Try and and get that past a copy editor,
1: Tom. Uh, uh, Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you
0: know what's funny is that what I love about the BXP team is they always come up with these great names. They're so fun. Um, So Experimates is is the BXP team. And somebody said, well, everyone in the academy needs to be an Academate. So there you go. We've, we've come and become an academy. It's, uh, yeah, we've got lots of more fun, fun ideas to be developed there as well. But well done to everyone. See, this is, this is what this podcast is about. It's about celebrating your successes because we know that when you sit down to write today and tomorrow and the next day, it's hard work. And that's so much of your time is spent writing. Just putting those words on paper, so you have to celebrate, so please, please celebrate with us, tell us what's happened that's great in your in your world um It's not only great to acknowledge it and and get a mention on the podcast, but it's also amazing because your role as a writer is to inspire all the other writers that are struggling, you know, and so when you you might not think it's a big deal if you just got your new cover, but I tell you what there's ninety nine percent of other authors out there that have never ever had a cover finished because they've not got to that point yet so tell us what you've been doing drop us an email you can come to the website bestsellerexperiment.com there's a contact form there and you can drop me a mark an email we read every email we always try and respond if we can Um, but but tell us your tell us your wins we want to hear about your successes and
1: celebrate them with you we do Do indeed hey if you've enjoyed this podcast or or any of our podcasts please subscribe rate and review on itunes on your podcast catcher of choice uh, a big thank you as always to our editors Dave and JD and get in touch find us you can find us on Facebook bestseller experiment Twitter and Instagram at bestseller XP or pop over to bestsellerexperiment.com. there's a contact form there you can drop us a line there as well
0: excellent stuff and if you are new to this podcast and haven't even heard about a book that Mark and I have written called back to reality it is out a bestseller and for sale please jump it's a perfect summer read it's a perfect summer read I think it's uh, it's one of those books that often and people say, oh, great, great book just to kind of escape, especially through COVID. So go go check out that. We've got an audiobook version of it as well. What was it now like? about 125 star reviews? I think we've got on Amazon. I think we're looking,
1: not that it's, I look every day, but you know, I mean. It's, it's the feel-good <laughs> book of the century, people. It's the feel-good book of
0: the century. We love it. And also, I don't know if I've mentioned this, Mark, but we're launching an academy uh, on, the, on the 1st of September. So if you want to put your application in. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned the URL, but I'm just going to, just in case you came in late, it's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. All right. And I promise I'll never mention it again on the show he's, he's a man until obsessed. next time. <laughs> uh, but listen, have, have an amazing week, everyone. Have an amazing, amazing writing week. Uh, if you haven't joined the BXP 2020, the 200 word of day challenge, the free challenge that we have, pop along to bxp2020.com we are closing in folks on 10 million words Mm -hmm. so we want you to become a part of that community get writing bank your words with us every day tell us how much you've written it's your first step to accountability it will make you write and join the the the, it's now i don't even know how many people have written and finished their book already this year i have yeah you have we've got loads we've got absolutely loads of them so this works If you are struggling with your writing, folks, get over and register right now, bxp2020.com. So, Mark, best of luck over the next couple of weeks with the incredible journey with the movie. Fingers crossed everything just keeps rocking on. Mm. Can't wait to hear more on that. And we'll have another amazing guest for you in a couple of weeks. And we'll have a rerun of some incredible guests that we've we've interviewed in previous shows next week so thank you so much for joining us have a great writing week and it's a goodbye from mark one and
1: a goodbye from mark two goodbye goodbye To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of The Bestseller Experiment by the Two Marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this
0: podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe.